You're listening to Boomers Today with your host, Frank Sampson. Well, welcome to Boomers Today. I'm your host, Frank Sampson. Of course, each week we bring you important and very useful information on issues facing baby boomers, their parents, and, and other loved ones. And I, uh, as I do on each show, I can't thank all of you enough. I mean, so many of you have shared individual podcasts or our entire show with family and friends. And uh, that's why our listeners are growing each and every day. And I know, of course, uh, uh, why you're sharing it, uh, because we've got great guests, and I'm not going to disappoint you today. We have with us Kimberly Best, who is a civil and family mediator. Her practice focuses on family mediation, health and elder care mediation, civil and business mediation, and conflict coaching, and she's based in, in Tennessee. She is a, a working member of the Association of Conflict Resolution Elder Mediation Professional Development Group, as well as working member of Mediators Beyond Borders International and a member of the American Bar Association Dispute Re Resolution Development Committee. She is passionate about helping others resolve conflicts by using mediation, facilitation, and collaborative problem solving to find optimal solution for all parties. Kim is also the author of How to Live Forever, a guide to writing the final chapter of your life story. So uh, Kim, thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, this is uh, a very important subject matter. Uh, and uh, I, uh, you know, we deal with this uh, in, in my business quite often um, where maybe families uh, aren't seeing eye to eye and, and all that. And uh, so we'll get to all that. But I just I thought we would just start out uh, making sure people understand uh, what we mean by mediation or what you mean by mediation. Uh, I don't want to assume people know what that is. So how can you best describe it? Yeah, um, so backing up a decade or so, when I would Google mediation, when I just learned how to do it, Google would say, you mean meditation. And sometimes <laughs> it still does that. So mediation uh, is fairly new, not at least in its usage publicly. And it is a way to resolve conflict without lawsuit. Um, sometimes a lawsuit precedes it, but the earlier we get the conflict, the better. Um, it sets up a place for safe discussion, for collaborative problem solving. Uh, it's not about blame. The whole process is confidential. Everyone has a voice, and it's about trying to design a better way forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, you know, I, I think about mediation in the business world. You know, you got these contracts between companies and there's a clause in that contract that says, you know, uh, if we don't agree on this, first, we're going to go to mediation before we go to any anything, you know, legally. And I think that's great. Um, but certainly mediation plays a role uh, with families, not necessarily business contracts. OK, no contracts at all. All right. So. Talk, talk a little bit about that and just, you know, 
how mediation uh, is useful. You know, where where is it useful? When is it useful, etc. You talk a little bit about that. So most people know mediation. Obviously, if you are corporate, you've you've heard of it there. But most people have heard it in terms of family mediation for divorce or parenting plans, and um, that's usually required before trial. So um, at some point, you're required to sit down with a neutral, often an attorney me, uh, mediator. When you practice as a mediator, you cannot give legal advice, even if you are a mediator, so you remain as a neutral. But there are also community mediation centers and mediators who resolve any conflict in the barking dog next door. The um, I personally do police community mediations for the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office, uh, trying to bring those dialogues together. So it's more of a peace building where there is conflict. Uh, we're trained to help bring those together. And in your world with, um, with, with healthcare, with aging, uh, there are so many opportunities for conflict. Uh, conflict is normal, it's going to happen. It's just a few of us have learned how to resolve it. And because we haven't learned the tools, bringing in a neutral who can hold that safe space for you all to find the future that works you know, and then if it doesn't, everything works until it doesn't. You go back to the table again. You, you mentioned uh, the little mediation clause. I actually write that in mind. Look, if this doesn't work, let's find a new plan that does before we just start pointing fingers and throw up our hands and give up. Yeah. So how does it um, how does it begin? I mean, may, or maybe just take us through the process of. Uh, and, and instead of talking big business, let's talk about, you know, family issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where does it start? Uh, do you do you meet with them? Do you have these Zoom calls with them? Uh, what, you know, and, and what are some of the challenges on, on your end and, and, and making sure this all, you know, comes to a happy solution? Yeah, really good questions. So I mostly use Zoom because my clients are all around the country. But if they're local, I meet locally at my office. Uh, typically, one family member reaches out and um, they're stuck in whatever conflict that is. Maybe it's just to the point of someone wanting to get attorneys, but someone wants to build a bridge or at least find a resolution. And usually they come in one person is right as if one person is wrong, or they come in with two choices, it's this or it's this. And my job is to take those two choices and put them on a spectrum and look at everything between those ends because there's always more than two choices. The biggest challenge is if a family member really wants to start the process, uh, but the other family members don't wanna join in, and that's understandable. It's kind of scary to take your problems to somebody who's a virtual stranger. So. Um, it only takes one person to create some kind of change within a system. So whatever, we like everyone who's involved to come to the table, but if not, we can do conflict coaching with that person to help them have a better way than the reaction or response that's not working. You usually talk to the, each of the parties individually ahead of I time? I do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just to make sure like... Uh, you know, particular family members bring you in. Yeah, you're bringing the person. They're going to side with you because you're bringing them in. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, that is critical to the success. So I'm trying to set everybody up to win. And having a moment to be heard, 
to get out whatever anger or strong feelings you have, to start developing a new perspective, maybe um, to start some options, to maybe start seeing, well, I'm hearing from a more neutral place. So maybe it's this, you know, or in addition, it's something else. So I, I do meet with each person individually. Typically that meeting, because of the depth of the conflict over so many years is about three hours for each person. Um, and then when we're in a place where we're ready to come together, we, we do that and um, that it works. Uh, people have an agenda that they're willing to address that is more than what you know your sister did 20 years ago that you still hold a grudge against or something like that. It's uh, while we have to kind of work on how are we going to heal those or get over that, the big thing is how do we resolve the problem that we have now? And the important part about that is in conflict, we make the person the problem, right? My sister is a problem. And in this process, you know, people aren't the problem. We can't solve for people. <laughs> but if we can identify the problem, we can find resolutions for that. How do you, I, I try to put myself into your shoes and, mm. and you see something that is just so obvious to you mm. you know like oh my god you know really you know come on you know i mean how do you hold back your personal feelings to kind of tell somebody that they're just not thinking right you know i mean yeah. how do you do that that is a great question so for me uh we're supposed to be impartial, like that's unbiased, right? right? right, right. I say I'm omnipartial, that I am for both people, right? Because we can't really be impartial because of those kind of feelings. But if I can be in your shoes, I always see what the world looks like when I'm hearing you while standing in your shoes. So I know as a mediator, it's very important that I'm not here to solve your problems. I'm here to support you for the outcome that you think is best for you and your family, not the one that I think is best for you and your family. So I, I, I have done this long enough that I have released the thought that, and just think of you know, how arrogant it is to think that I know what's best for you. I hardly know you. I have a snapshot of you and you have a whole story. So my job is more to encourage people to find that resolution given the part that I have than ever think that I know what's best for me. Now I will challenge it with things that I do know that might be helpful. We all only know what we know. Um, so if I have some information or another perspective, I, I don't mind interjecting that at all. Um, not all kind of mediation does that, there's a form called transformative mediation that is basically just reflecting. And the thought is, you know, if, if I reflect back to you what you're saying or feeling, the idea will come to you. And uh, some people find that effective. I still think we only know what we know. And if I have a piece of the puzzle that might be helpful to you, I will interject it. But I never think that that piece is going to fit. That's up to you to decide whether or not that piece yeah. fits. So do you find that uh, when you're dealing, let's, well, let's just talk family situations that they have tried, 
uh, other options before coming to you? For example, let's get Uncle Joe on the phone and, and see what Uncle Joe thinks about this, or let's talk to our, you know, the priest or whatever the case may be. You find that they have tried to do other things or they're just coming directly to you before other maybe personal options, a uh, non-professional mediator in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think rarely they've tried other things. I do have um, sometimes uh, counselors refer, um, but most of the time a family is convinced that they know what the outcome is going to be. They know what the other person's going to say. You know, we're living in the past, the past experience. Well, if I talk to Uncle Joe, he's just going to side with her. And, um, or, you know, I already know what the outcome is going to be. Of course, we don't. We're living in the past when that happens. Um, but I think it is really important to people that somebody with a fresh set of ears and not a history with those people. And that's why it works in business as well, right? Like you, you don't have a history. You can come in more objective. And I think um, that, that makes people more hopeful. Yeah. So we're going to take a real quick break, I promise, just to recognize our sponsor. And we come back, I'd like to zero in with you. So give you a little time to think about this, about um, uh, care for a family member. And when the, maybe the siblings or members of the family are not agreeing on what those next steps would be. And I bring that up because in our, in my business and in, in, in our industry, it's an everyday occurrence. It happens all the time. All right. And so I'd like to zero in on that a little bit with you. All right. So when we come back, we'll do that. Um, so I ask all of you, do you know anybody who may be connected, uh, who may be concerned about uh, an older driver? Well, Senior Care Authority's Beyond Driving with Dignity program is a facilitated self-assessment program for older drivers. This program has been designed to serve as a vital tool to facilitate older drivers and their families as they make appropriate decisions regarding the future of one safe driving career. If the individual is a safe driver, an advisor will provide him or her with strategies on how to remain a safe driver as they progress through the aging process. If driving retirement is the appropriate decision, then the individual and their family are offered possible alternatives, resources, and specific plan to ensure a smooth and successful transition from the driver's seat to the passenger seat. To learn more, you can go to www.beyonddrivingwithdignity.com or call 877-907-8841 to connect with a senior care authority advisor in your area. We're back with uh, Kimberly Best, who's uh, a family mediator, all sorts of credentials, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to, uh, to have her. Maybe before we get into uh, uh, the particular question I want, you know, I brought up before the break, uh, share with us uh, just how people can learn more about what your organization and what your practice and what you're doing. It's commercial time, go to it. Oh, thank you so much for that. So I can be found by my name, Kimberly Best, or my company is Best Conflict Solutions, which is- That's a perfect w last name for this. I know it is, right? <laughs> www.bestconflictsolutions.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, happy to connect there. 
Great. Yeah, feel free to reach out. My email is Kim at, uh, dot best. I'm a Kim at bestconflictsolutions.com. I have two email addresses. Sorry for that first yeah. slip. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to hear from anyone. And, and what are the different types? I know we're, we're talking a little bit about more family situations uh, uh, today, but uh, what are the other types of mediation you kind of get into to make people aware? Um, so because I have a registered nurse background, I'm still a registered nurse. I've been doing that for uh, lots of decades, um, but I don't practice in nursing. The healthcare, the aging stuff is kind of my tribe. I always enjoy that, but I do do divorce mediations. I do estranged family. I do some um, work, like I said, with the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office and community type of reconciliation conversations facilitations. And one of my favorite things is working with medical groups, especially around having problems with uh, retention and uh, having mediation facilitation and a systems design approach to a workplace that can hold on to its workers. I had one person say, if I had had this process in any place I worked before, I never would have left. So it's just an opportunity for people to have voice to resolve conflict in a safe way, to be heard um, and empowered. Yeah, great, great, great. All right, so I'm gonna paint the scenario here for you. Ready? Hmm. All right, so you have a uh, <clears throat> husband, wife, husband passes away, okay? They were living in their home alone, or the, the two of them were living alone, kids were grown, uh, mom is now alone in the home okay kids are worried about mom mom has some some health challenges but she's still with it uh, dad was helping her uh, physically with things but now he's not there kids are now concerned all right uh, the daughter thinks mom should move away from the home and go into some sort of senior living, maybe assisted living. The other sister says, uh, now maybe let's just, you know, mom, she'll be fine. Maybe we just get somebody to come in a couple days a week and she'll be fine. Brother goes, she's fine. Mom's fine. You know, let, let her be, you know, just let her be. Then you start digging into it and you start seeing that maybe there's some other issues here, and sometimes it's money that's that could be the issue. You know, uh, I don't. We don't want to spend all the money that dad left for mom because that could leave us out when it's mom's time. You know, which is kind of drives me crazy when I run into that. But so that that's kind of the the I'm painting the picture here. All right, talk to us how. You might handle a situation like that, um, and, and I'm 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 giving a, painting a picture of this is something we see all the time. This isn't like unique, all right. And sometimes it's even sad, all right. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I completely agree with you that it is not unique and that it is sad. And my very first thought is, where's mom's voice? Right. Uh, because I'm hearing, you know this assumption that now we step in and there is a hole where the husband used to be, but mom, um, 
Well, we know from studies that as adults, we value our autonomy even over safety. And, uh, but when our parents are aging, we value safety over autonomy for them. But that's not what they want. Even in the older age, they want a quality of life that makes them happy to be alive. And they should get to decide that. And hopefully, if we can get mom to say, um, you know, it's, it's hard to argue with uh, someone shouldn't be able to live their life the way they want to. And uh, they might have feelings around that, for example, with safety. Um, you know, an aging and sick population is dying. We're all going to die. The thing that makes our story important and our legacy is important is that we live the way we wanted to live all the way to the end. And um, that's, that's why we have the conversations to find out what that looks like. And yes, you may be more at risk for falling and, you know, breaking a hip and then, and that's tragic. But there is a process that does happen as we age and die. Tragic things will happen along that road. But there is peace in knowing that the person walked out the way they wanted to. There, it is not an easy walk and it is 100% not conflict free. If you think your family is the only one having conflict, there is so much conflict in this. The difference is in how it's handled. And we want to blame someone for what goes sideways or think we could prevent it. But the truth is this is life. And so if we have those conversations ahead of time and know it's not gonna be easy or perfect or follow the road that we think it should, um, it, it can help us adapt better to the really difficult process that it is. Yeah. It, it, assuming in the, in the scenario I gave you that mom is cognitively sound, mm -hmm. I would assume you'd want to have her participate in this. A hundred percent. And she's the stakeholder. I mean, right, she... right. It's, it's her decision in a sense. But what if she's not? What if she's not cognitively sound? Maybe That's she a... <laughs> has a, 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 what we call mild cognitive impairment. Maybe she which I know as a nurse, you know what that is. And, and, or, or maybe she has been diagnosed with early stage dementia or something like that. And it may not be safe for her to be at, at home uh, or to be alone. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you involve, would you involve her then? Or that's a tough one? No, it's not a tough one for me. <laughs> okay. um, so to the degree someone has some capacity that can show up in voice. So because you lack capacity somewhere again on that spectrum does not mean you should have no voice at all. Right. Unless you're to the point where you absolutely don't know. But my very first client years ago was with an attorney and obviously he had everything set up the way he wanted it to do on legal systems, but they had family problems, deep family problems. And he wanted for his wife who had dementia and had dementia probably at the 80th percentile, um, to be able to have some closure with her daughters. And she came to the table every time we met and she only got pieces of it, but sometimes she spoke up and it was powerful. It was powerful for the family. It was ownership for her, whether she realized her voice was being heard or not. We all deserve that kind of respect. The one thing about people who are aging that really kind of just grabs at my heart is these are people who have spent their whole lives already working, raising their families. Um, 
contributing to society, building what we have today, that they deserve as much voice as they can have. Yeah, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, work with a lot of families in, in, in the work that I've done. I, I don't do it as much on a daily basis now, but um, uh, I, I, I would always advise the adult children, don't point, you know, don't point your finger at mom or dad and tell them what they need to do. You must, you know, you've got to move. You've got to give up your keys. You've got to, you know, that's going to all backfire. Would you agree with that? I completely agree with that. And the thing that's running through my head with that too is, you know, the person who wants the keys given up and all those things, you're going to age too, God willing, you know, and is that how you want your kids to do you? I seriously doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Right. 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 You're good. Um, so maybe if we could take, you know, we, we only have a couple minutes, but maybe if we could take those couple minutes and you could, uh, help our listeners, anybody that's involved in this type of situation, where to begin, they might be listening to this and going, you know, this is something we should do you know, our family, or this is something we should do. Where do they begin with each other? Uh, what, what are your recommendations to kind of get them to that step of at least maybe contacting you? Okay. Yeah, I think recognizing that there's that there's that there's hope. You know, recognizing your stuckness. Most people are just tired of being stuck by the time they get to me. If you can get help before then, it's like any conflict. You know, before it escalates, it's easier to help resolve. So I've worked with people early in a diagnosis that aren't really having the conflict, but want to design the process for as the disease progresses, and that's so effective. Um, Mediate.com is a great site that lists a lot of mediators by specialty as well. So I would advise that you make sure that you have someone who is trained in um, relationships and family, not just trained in mediation, because um, some people specialize, mine says rule 31, civil and family trained. That means that in my state, by the Supreme Court roster, I'm able to mediate for the courts. Uh, that's a 40-hour training. This requires more extensive training than that 40-hour court training. Also, if you check with your state, there are organizations, they will have a state mediation um, organization, and they will probably list their mediators there. Like a doctor or anything else you try, if you don't feel like you fit, choose someone who you feel like you can work with right. because lives are at stake. Yeah. If they want to just contact you and go, hey, help me out here. What, what direction should I go? You're, you're open to that. I absolutely am. Yes. And okay. I do see people, most of my clients are around the country. That was a benefit of COVID that we could connect more. Thank you to Zoom and, yeah, and things like right, that. So right. um, good, good. Yeah. So why don't we again, uh, tell people how they can get more information. Uh, go, you know, they would they go to your website, etc. Why don't you share that? Yeah, um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. It's Kimberly underscore A underscore best. Um, and Instagram, I have a Facebook site that I don't keep up very well, but bestconflictsolutions.com is probably your best bet. Great. Kim, thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today. Uh, it was we're a wealth of information. Thank you so much. And I, I enjoyed to- it very much. Thank you. Thank all of you. Be safe out there. 
and we'll talk to everybody next week. You've been listening to Boomers Today with Frank Sampson. To learn more about today's show, visit boomerstodayradio.com and join us next time for another edition of Boomers Today.